My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome everyone to the podcast. I'd like to introduce our guests, Mike Groff and Jose Martinez, co-founders of Four Season Fighters, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping veterans and first responders whose lives have been altered permanently because of the sacrifices they made while serving our country and communities, making what they once thought impossible possible. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank, thank you. you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, now, when did uh, I want to start with the start of the nonprofit itself? Uh, when did you guys get the idea? Um, fall of fall of 2018. So we uh, we actually were working on trying to get Jose uh, his first mule deer, and uh, we kind of got together and we uh, we were working on that and. That's that's a whole interesting story, <laughs> right? Of itself, yeah. We so we got a we got a tracked wheelchair, and um, we were doing some public land stuff around a town called Brewster, which is a pretty small town in Washington, and yeah. um, something where I I had been before with Tyler, one of our other guys, and so we thought, hey, this would be a good place, and uh, we ended up uh, getting up one morning early and. Getting to a mountaintop, we probably had no business getting on top of, and uh, we're sitting there, and he was blowing. I don't know what Jose like forty miles an hour, forty, forty, fifty. <laughs> At least forty to fifty, and it was freezing, oh, freezing, man. freezing cold. Everybody was hiding behind the tractor, and of course, I was getting annihilated by right. the wind. And that's when we started looking around, and we're like, "This is actually pretty cool." And as the sun was mm-hmm. starting to rise, uh, we started talking more, and we're like, "What if we could do this with more people, with other people, you know, with other people that have been in our situations, that have gone through similar things that we've gone through?" <laughs> You know, and as we're freezing and everybody drinking off the same coffee mug because we only had one, <laughs> um, we realized that the outdoors is what brings us happiness. And I'm sure it could do the same for a lot of other people. So when the sun rose and we sat there for another like three, four hours freezing and realizing how high we made it up on the mountain, on our way down, I told the guys, I was like, there's no way we came up here. They're like, well, your tracks are right in front of us. And I was like, there's no way. We're going to die right here. <laughs> so they started holding on to the back of the track chair. And as we're coming down, we're like, yeah, we think we can make this happen for other people. Other people that are in my situation. Other people that are in different situations. And <clears throat> after that day, we kind of just... Rolled the dice and said, "Well, let's so, yeah, try to figure it out and see if we can do it for others." And we, yeah, and we figured, you know, if we could try and just do that for one person a year, wouldn't that be amazing? And um, you know, it's morphed into something, morphed into something a little bit more than that. But yeah, by January of so 2018 was that trip, and then by January of 2019, we all kind of pitched in our own money and um, started the 501c3 and. 
got lawyers, you know, lawyers and all that stuff, and we were kind of off and running. Nice. Now, I want to note to the audience that's listening that uh, about what's going on with Mike's situation. He's out in Montana, uh, <laughs> middle of BFE, as he quoted, and so he's having the lovely swatty signal. So if you're hearing yes. sounds, it's because of that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not getting abducted by aliens or lasers. I'm not in a laser fight. Yeah, It sounds uh, like a grain silo a little bit. <laughs> You know what? I'm actually sitting next to a grain silo, so it probably should. And there's a I'm out I'm out here at, um, helping some family during harvest, so I got running tractors and mm-hmm. semis, and so yeah. But it's out in it's out in not good receptionville. So, <laughs> but that's uh, that explains that one. So when did I? Let, I want to get us some background on you guys. So. <laughs> about history we'll start with jose when did you were you in uh hunting all your life or did that start later on and adding on military service as well if you wish um so i've actually never hunted i was born in compton Mm -hmm. i'm from the city i'm from l.a uh, all I knew was guns in different manner, other people hunting other people, you know, that's the kind of, uh, gun uses that I've always ever seen, but it, it always called my attention. I've always been in out as much as I lived in the city, my godfather made it a priority mm-hmm. that every year we would go camping at least twice a year. And I would always go camping in Yosemite, Sequoia, Redwoods, like, beautiful beautiful country and to be quite honest with you it's now that i really think about it it was prepping me for elk country that's the kind of country that elk like to live in and that's kind of my pride and joy i have a very 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 soft spot for elk uh i think they're very amazing creatures and being able to harvest one i think all mankind should have that feeling at least once in their lifetime just to understand what it feels like to harvest your own food, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so for me, the first time I actually ever hunted was after my accident in the military. I joined the military in 2010 and I was in for four years. Half of that time I was recovering from an accident that I had out in Afghanistan. Um, stacked on the 60 pound IED that uh, had me lose three limbs. I lost both my legs, my right arm. And, um, an index finger on my left arm and a bunch of other internal stuff as well. Um, doctor told me that I was going to be in the wheelchair for the rest of my life. And to be quite honest with you, he was pretty wrong. Um, I am able to walk now. I get to hunt with my friends. Uh, I'm not only just doing hunting, but I also nice. surf for a living. I've um, run, I surf for the Paralympic team for um, the USA. And I tried to do my best to just continue to do things that I thought I never could do, like harvesting an elk, um, going on top of a mountain that I really, really terrified of, um, you know, doing things with my friends that I never thought that I would be able to do, especially thinking of all the past trauma that I've had from being in an accident and um, by serving my country. So to be quite honest with you, me being able to do this, for other people is 10 times fold of my happiness knowing that 
I'm able to get someone excited to do little things like this or even giving them a spark of interest in a different way of life, you know, because um, nowadays you have a lot of people that are not willing to live in the city anymore. They're starting to realize that being out, uh, having your own little farm, uh, being able to harvest your own food, mm -hmm. like fishing, uh, going out and taking out a deer, a dove, anything that can feed your family. Mm -hmm. People are starting to understand that this is actually the true way of life. You know, it's, it's what we call it is living. You know, you, you know yourself, the feeling of harvesting something or seeing that kid for the first time, understanding the first harvest that he had. I mean, the first time I've ever shot any animal, I remember I couldn't get my um, body under control because I was so filled with emotion of, of gratitude. Um, I felt sad because I took a life to create more life, but it's all in understanding at the same time, you know? So for me to be able to start doing this for other people has actually been like a whole, it comes full circle for me to be quite honest mm -hmm. with you. But uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the things that happened to me then. Um, if, if I could go back and do it all over again, I'd be in the same position I am right now. Knowing Thank you, that Jose, for I've that. That's really inspiring, man. I mean, um, be able to see you sitting here with me talking and having be able to hear that story about it's just truly inspiring man <laughs> i appreciate it on i mean like i said for us to be able to even do something like this for me and now in return to be able to do it for others it's it's what makes us happy you know yeah now mike where when your story starts up have you been hunting your whole life <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I grew up, I grew up hunting and fishing with my dad and my grandpa, and, uh, you know, since I was about old enough to throw in a, in an ice house fishing in Minnesota or, you know, deer hunting and all that stuff, duck hunting. And, and yeah. So I kind of, I kind of grew up doing that with my dad and grandpa and learning that. And then, um, you know, kind of continue that in my adult life and like probably have taken it more, more than my more than my grandparents or my, my dad did um, just in terms of like my tenacity for it. it's just something for me kind of like what Jose was saying for me um, being outdoors being in the mountains mm -hmm. you know when it's still and it's quiet and it's got less distractions like for me that's when stuff to makes more sense starts to make more sense and um, some of that peripheral noise goes away and you know, and all those things. And so like for me, I just, um, I just medically retired at the end of the last year from about 24 years in the fire service. Um, so did that and, uh, about 13 years on our regional SWAT team, SRT team with that too. Um, but it was, you know, it, it's always like hunting and outdoors and especially after, you know, you start dealing with post-traumatic stress stuff, like, it starts to become real, at least to me, it started to become real apparent like that a lot of the, the healing and the peace and the restoration like that I was getting and the, um, was coming from being outside was coming from hunting was coming from being with mm -hmm. my brothers and sisters out in the woods, you know, and there's, there's just a different connection with, with people. There's a different connection with God's beautiful green earth and the creatures on it. And when you're doing yeah. those things, it's just, 
it's just, it's different. And for me, that's, you know, there've been so many, um, and we find that when we take people out too, is like, and there's so many remarkable opportunities and conversations that happen just completely organically when you're, you know, sitting on a rock, looking over a valley or you're sitting around a campfire or, you know, whatever it is. And so they're just, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a refuge. It's a refuge for me, for sure. Nice. Now, you just obviously retired. How does it feel to be retired? <laughs> uh, it's it's a bit of you know it, it's a it's a mix. Uh, you know, on on one on one hand, um, you, you know, it wasn't under it wasn't the game plan. You know, mm-hmm. I got hired pretty young. Um, I got hired at 22 and, you know, I had put in 24 years, but my, in my mind, I was, you know, going to do the 35, 36 years and punch out at like 58 and, um, good Lord just had different plans for that. And, you know, and it was, so the, the part of me that like enjoyed the job and enjoyed the challenge of some of those things and getting to do some pretty, some pretty cool high speed stuff was always, was always fun and challenging and felt like I was pretty decent at it. So there's, you know, that part's like, you know, you miss that part sometimes, but, mm-hmm. um, what I don't, what I, what I'm glad for is, you know, the other side of that coin is with, you know, those, those types of gigs and those types of jobs, right? We got all those post-traumatic stress injuries, right? And I, I call them injuries and not disorders just cause I, I very much believe you can work to get better and heal through those things. And so, mm-hmm. but you know, what it has allowed me to do is like focus more time on my family and what we're doing here with four season fighter stuff and really just taking kind of the hell I walked through personally with myself and with my family. And cause that was a pretty lonely road for a while. And, um, I think, you know, I think for me personally, and then both of us, you know, for all of us at 4SF was like, boy, I just don't want anybody to ever have to walk through any of this stuff by themselves, you know, cause, um, I didn't, I didn't really have, you know, that was always that gorilla that nobody talked about in the room. Right. And, yeah. you know, and I didn't have, I didn't have folks to walk with me and my wife and I didn't really have people to walk with us through stuff we were working through. And, and, um, so, you know, the, the silver lining of all that is it, it's allowed me to spend my bandwidth and my time, my energy trying to, trying to help and heal and, and, love other folks and try and get them into into better places that they can see that there's that there is there's true hope there's true healing there's true restoration um it's not easy but um you know it it's 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 also not the end so that's been that's been a pretty big blessing to be able to focus on what we're doing you know Mm -hmm. so what type of prep work goes into a hunt for you guys uh, yeah, it does. Um, it, you know, it kind of depends. Like it it kind of depends on the. Sometimes figure it out. <laughs> I hate the word depends, uh, but you know, it kind of depends, right? And it depends on a few things for us. Um, there's the logistics war always of you know, you know, food and items, and, and we do we do stuff a little differently than um, well any organization that I know of, I guess, but 
one of the things that we try and do is, you know, when we take when we take folks out, we're trying to accomplish two big things. So, you know, the first one is is we like outfitting them and equipping them with all the tools that they need to continue to do this without cost to themselves. So mm-hmm. like they, you know, they get, and for the, most of them, it's a surprise, right? They get rifles and scopes and binos and camo and wall tents and sleep bags and packs and, you know, all this stuff that, so that when they're done with this trip, it's not a high five. Wasn't that a cool weekend experience? And everybody goes their own ways and nothing changes. Like we're not interested in that. Like we want real long lasting generational change for folks. And that they can continue to do that stuff to say, hey, you know, wow, this was cool. I was successful. I can do this. And they can continue to do that. So with all of that. Yep. We want them to be able to turn around and do it with their friends, you know, have them be able to show them to their families now. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that we just took out. Yep. Um, yep. Nice. Yep. Um, uh, father and, and that was a you know that was this a little bit different. That, that was a, we took a we took a sheriff's deputy out was, who was was struggling, um, and he'd been on he'd been on the job a long time. But then uh, just a little about a year ago, year and a half ago, his his fourteen year old boy got diagnosed with leukemia, mm. and so on top of it all, um, that was a little bit different. Where I wanted both of them to be experience this special elk hunt uh, together and sort of mm-hmm. have that as a thing. But, you know, to your question about, like, what the prep is, there's, like, the logistics of acquiring all that equipment, right, and the food, and depending on depending on how physically able or not, you know, some, because we take, obviously, we take out, um, obviously, take out people's physical injuries, right, you know, and, um, and that has its own, that has its own set of challenges, whether we need to, you know, get track chairs or, you know, what we, how we need to set that up for folks versus somebody who's physically able but is you know injured in other ways so it it's a year it's kind of a perpetual year-long cycle of of planning and acquiring you know acquiring stuff and we have some great partners that uh, help us out for equipment stuff mm-hmm. um, you know but it's it's a it's kind of a revolving door because we do because now we do we do turkey hunts in the spring um, we do, we have a special elk hunt that we, uh, get to be a part of, which you can't do anywhere else. It's a, it's a special tag that comes from the state for, um, uh, one of our, one of our partners, um, that have been, been with us since kind of the beginning. And so we do a big bull in velvet, um, in the late spring, summertime, uh, for folks. And that's what we just, that's what we just did with, uh, that sheriff's deputy and his boy. Then we have, you know, we always have a mule deer hunt in our next month, like in October. That's the one that kind of started the whole deal. Um, and then we've done, we last year we did a trip down to Texas. We took two brothers that had served together in the Marines. And then both were, one went into law enforcement after that, and one went into fire. But we went down to Texas and we floated the Devil's River for a couple of days fishing and then landed at a, private ranch and did not at a ram hunt mm. um so that was that was pretty <laughs> that was pretty cool yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know so it's it's, it was it's a lot of you know it's a lot of was insane it's that. a lot of time it's a lot of effort <laughs> and then mm-hmm. i hate money i hate the evil necessity of money but 
Like it's a lot of figuring out what we can and can't do, you know, and cause that, you know, the equipment's expensive and, and fuel's expensive and, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. So it's, it's, it's a lot. It's kind of a full-time gig just going from one to the next and, um, Mm-hmm. yeah we try to go year-round fundraising trying to do different things uh, talking to different people and seeing how we can acquire these things either yeah. through an actual full discount or sometimes uh, some companies are willing to gift a lot of things as well so but it takes a lot of human interaction seeing what we're doing you know um there's a because you know yourself, there's a lot of yeah. nonprofits out there that say they're doing certain things, but are taking advantage of it themselves and stuff like that. And we want to shy away from all that stuff. I mean, we're the veterans ourselves, we're the firemen ourselves, we're the sheriffs ourselves. Like, And the best part about it is that all the people that help us out doing all of this is firemen, yeah. police officers, veterans, like nice. all the yeah, people did that, that sheriff's deputy Those have a successful that are involved in helping us oh. as well. If this wasn't a podcast, we could have like uh, hunting porn because I could show you the pictures. Of, <laughs> dude, it was it was it was so unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, uh, it's tough to describe. So we ended up getting uh, we ended up getting a few elk, and they just were just it was just an amazing time, and it was beautiful, and we got uh, you know probably a three. I'll be conservative here. I'll I'll bet a three eighty bull for him. And um but you know, big and velvet and his boy was there and it just was it was a very, very, very cool experience. And you know, and then we so then we take that, you know, we have that we have the meat process for them. We you know, we're having a mount made of it and but it was man, it was a remarkable it was a remarkable trip, you know, and um so one of our we got lots of partners, which I should probably name. So, you know, when you talk about logistics and these hunts, like Norma Precision Ammo, like they, they, they take care of all of our ammo for us and Vortex and Sitka and, um, you know, there's a can, there's a Cantrell Outdoors or a custom, custom gunworks place up, um, by where I'm at, um, you know, land, land trust. Now we partnered with this last year from Montana, um, giving us access to all sorts of different private lands and mountain ops so we're we're offering like folks like workout they have their i don't know if you're familiar with them but they yeah. they do like they do like workouts and stuff like that and nice. free workout stuff and getting ready for hunting season and so um it, you know it, it's workout, it's so. but it's cool but that elk hunt i well not only was like it's not about harvesting per se like you know like mm-hmm. that's kind of always the icing on the cake and I better find some wood to knock on. I won't even say it, but we've been uh, we've been very fortunate to be very successful since we've been doing all of this. Uh, yeah. But I, I have never on this last hunt. I have never seen so many bull elk in one place at one time ever. Nice. They were they were bats are herded up like. I think the one we shot out of his there probably ended up being almost two hundred bulls. Like not like not raghorns, not spikes like bulls. They were wow. they were potted up in like sixteen eighty a pop. I got a video. It was just it was bananas. Like it's tough it's tough to describe. As you say we're gonna have to turn this podcast into like a 
smell smell a cast in a <laughs> video video a cast or something because it's it was remarkable. I just it was just it was an ordained trip, man. It was just very cool. Could uh, could not have orchestrated it any better. Everything right happened at the right time. Yep. No and, hiccups. And he, well. Well, no, no, it's a hunting trip. Hang on there, Tiger. You know, like, oh, it, it, actually was, it, it actually was cool because um, we actually ran into one <laughs> yeah. early in the morning on the first day out. And uh, our deputy with his boy, really, you know, big bull shows up about 150 yards and luck fever sets in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we shoot and we miss, you know, and that's. Uh, and we had hiked out for a ways, and so we kind of did the long, the long hike of shame. Where we all thought about what could have been different or better, and you know, mm-hmm. you know what that's like, and how tough that is. And yeah, but we kind of got back and we put together a different plan, and it was that same later after that noon, uh, later that afternoon that we kind of put together another game plan and did a an epic stock on this pot of pot of elk we saw and. It all came together, and that was that was that was perfection. Wind, you know, wind and the stock and the whole deal. It was, it was textbook. It was it was awesome. Nice. How much you think that elk weighed? Oh boy, uh, nine hundred pounds. It was. I'm not. It wasn't probably. It wasn't probably quite a thousand pounds, but it was. They are enormous elk. Let's see. Yeah. I, I've done the math before on one of those. You're getting probably about 700 pounds of meat minus bones, yeah, antler, and hide. Yep. Yeah. It's about a year yeah, and a half that, worth of uh, meat there. <laughs> yeah. I would no That's longer a, need to purchase anything. I wouldn't need to buy a no. tag next year. Exactly. Yeah. No, it, it's, a, it's like a cow in the mountains with horns is really what it is more like. They're just... They're just this herd is a big it's just a big fat healthy herd and because there's actually no season on them where they're at and it's all private land so they just they're not um, no pressure. they don't get pressured they, they don't get pressured they don't get hunted they're just happy and fat and dumb and well they're not dumb but you know <laughs> it's, uh, but they're just you know they're just happy healthy elk and they're just monsters they're just beasts what was and the uh, shot range on it we uh. <laughs> not far uh, uh, 50 yards maybe uh we ended up when wow. i say we stocked we spent yeah we had a we had a pretty pretty epic stock and it was pretty challenging for his boy so you know with leukemia right the physical exertion gets to be mm-hmm. gets to be a little bit much and so we we were trying to keep that in mind a little bit but you know you kind of you kind of lose sight of that a little bit in the moment but we we saw this pot of elk, and they, they had walked up into drainage, and we saw where they are at, and so we, we went down about four drainages past them and started traversing, you know, across and, and hoping that nothing else would see us or bump us because it's um, where we were. It's kind of those big rolling coolies, so there's not a ton of cover as you approach, and so we're trying to be slow and low, and, and we, ended up, we ended up coming over the top, and they had one sentry cow you know up the hill and we saw her but she didn't move so we kept going a little bit and we kept climbing over the you know ridge and peak and we kept going a little bit more she stands up and then we're all like oh crap this is going to be it we're blown you know 
And then we move on, but she doesn't do anything. And we keep moving a little bit more. And she turns around. She looks at us. Doesn't do anything. We keep moving. And she keeps looking down the hill. You know, and I thought, but yeah, I thought for sure we were going to be blown. But then another one stands up. And they keep looking downhill. They keep looking downhill, like right in front of us. Like, And we're looking at the bottom of this drainage. And there is, it's like 50, 60 yards away. And it's maybe got like four reasonably sized sage you know sagebrush trees mm-hmm. but nothing huge and you can't see it can't see nothing like nothing so we're walking we're sitting there walking and finally something stands up and there's like a dozen elk hiding underneath these like four sagebrush trees and three of them three of them are big bulls and we're like 50 yards and then it was like you know instant game on you know come out he's he's trying to breathe and we're trying to help him pick the one because there's they're, they're all big Mm-hmm. you know and we're trying to help you know we're trying to help him in the moment decide which one and and <laughs> yeah then he, he he pulled it off but you know the the skulls, they're all the same size it's like oh my gosh he's like eeny meeny miny mo yeah all i see is fur fur and antlers like yeah it's like so, okay eeny meeny miny mo yeah yeah there and there you know there was one he shot a he shot a pretty tip like a like a I don't want to say tip like typical but you know like typical rack, mm-hmm. but there was one that was a little bit smaller but it had uh, it had like a drop time on the one side, which yeah. was like we we kind of were doing the hem and hawn. It's like ah you know I don't know do you want character or do you want amazing size, you know and so we we picked on we settled on the big brute but uh, yeah yep give me the cool. amazing size. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> give, give me give me pepperoni sticks, please. Oh yeah. All right. So, how long does a hunt usually last? Uh, does it go past the successful hunt rate? You know, the whole weekend or whatever the time blocked off, or does it uh, stop yeah. right after the harvest? We normally try to put it on just uh, when harvest open that weekend of, and. Um, Mike, you got some wood around you? So far, we've been pretty successful. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah that's just, I'm knocking on my head. I'm hitting my head. That's all I got right now. Yeah. Um, no, it's you know we usually um, we kind of set a, we kind of set apart like it's and, you know it depends on the hunt and, and where we're going. But you know, let's say for like this upcoming deer hunt in October, we basically set aside five days, right? Kind of a Thursday through Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, where the season openers on Saturday, but we, you know, like on Thursday, well, I'll show up, we'll show up a little early, the staff and stuff, and we'll set up wall tents and all that stuff. And then Friday, we usually have the participants show up and we go out to, you know, we kind of present them with all the stuff. And then we, we take, we take them and their new rifle and stuff out to a range. We go site that in we spend the day kind of getting comfortable with the equipment they got and making sure, you know, we're on paper good and, and all those good things and then mm-hmm. you know if, if if we if we harvest an animal on opening day on saturday we kind of leave it up to kind of leave it up to the participant you know mm-hmm. where there's been some days where you know we've been successful on saturday and everybody's piecing out sunday morning you know there's some times where we just hang out for an extra day or two or whatever mm-hmm. kind of depends on um you know what 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 they what the feeling is like and what they want to do yeah, there's always predators we got to kill, and ranchers love us. 
So yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we harvested. Yeah. Well, we've harvested yeah. this. Anyone want to go coyote hunting? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. And we do pretty good at it. I don't say nice. so myself. Yeah. Well, I've never harvested a coyote or an elk, so you guys got me covered on that one. <laughs> sometime we'll have to we'll have to get you out sometime. <laughs> have to definitely yeah, be, figure it out. Yeah, those elk are elk are something special for sure. Yeah, that's on my bucket list along with mountain goats. So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I ch- I chose the, everybody's list. <laughs> yeah, it's more or less, and I the my audience has heard me talking about this repeatedly about mountain goats. More or less, the mountain itself for me because of the way my feet are mm. because. Uh, again, they've heard it, but I got bad feet, and so walk climbing and walking up mountains is fun. Oh, nice. you want the most challenging? I like it. Yeah, it's both trepidating and I say go big or go home. <laughs> I like <Right>? it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like it's you know you never know what you never know what you're going to be able to do till you kind of push those limits. And I think, I mean, Jose's a Jose is a phenomenal example, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, and, and he'd tell you this too, like there are lots of different paths or choices of attitudes that he probably could have had, you know, and taken, but you know, here's a, you know, here's a dude that quite frankly, to my own chagrin of my own pride can probably outshoot me with a bow, right? Like it is you, and you wouldn't think that, right? You know, the guy stinking holds a bow with his hand and pulls with his teeth. His dentist loves him. But you know he's you know but he's but he shoots he shoots a bow like nuts on it's crazy so sometimes like man you just you know we surprise ourselves I like I like you pushing yourself going up those mountains because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we just surprise ourselves when we don't give ourselves enough credit for what our spirit inside can do you know what that human yeah. spirit can do yeah. Jose, with the uh, archery, do you use uh, something that goes into the back of your teeth or? Like you grip it with your molars, or is it in front of your teeth? Um, so I'll give you guys all the the what works. It's super easy. You need a cat leash, put it through the D loop, and you're biting it with your molars. Do not uh-huh. ever bite it with your front teeth because they're the weakest part of your mouth. Your mm-hmm. molars are your strongest part. I pull back. Um, good old Uncle Ted Newton said, "55 <laughs> is all we need." So <laughs> that's all I do. Yeah. I pull back 55. Nice. Yeah, no, I. Uh, I've been successful so far. Uh, turkey, deer, and a couple other ones that I can't mention on here. But right. <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to see this uh, GX4 Adaptive Archery. They're a nonprofit that I interviewed for for my first ever podcast, so episode one. This guy takes mold body molds of people, and then fiberglass molds them so that it's a harness system so it's a clip that attaches to the uh, bow and you open it you know like you're pulling the bow yeah and then it's a bite trigger like uh, a release and you bite down it releases and you're shooting straight oh that's awesome saves your teeth yeah that's exactly that in my neck (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like everything's all hooked up Oh, well, if you go, if, if, Sean, if you go look on the website, you know, I think on the meet our staff, like mm-hmm. I think there's a picture of Jose sitting there about to shoot a bow. Yeah. You know, it, it looks it looks badass. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 
I know it, it comes. He he does miss from time to time. Oh yeah, so you don't think he's like perfect. Yeah, I I know a couple of guys that. <laughs> I know a couple of guys that do that sort of style with their teeth, and I'm like, oh, but they, they swear by the molar trick. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a very very strong hold. I mean, I could hold for up to like three four minutes without a problem. Like mm-hmm. I've been very quiet. I've been right in front of uh, Whitetail, and I'm pulling back, and my friends are like, "Be as quiet as possible." I'm like, "Shut up!" <laughs> and just holding it there, just waiting for the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with turkey. We've shot turkey with bow as well. I've missed mm-hmm. a lot of times, but I have been successful. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yep. one of the people that I know, I never talked to. I want to get him on though. But uh, Remy Warren, he uh, injured his wrist, and he ended up doing the bite tri- uh, bite bow. I want to call yeah, it. Yeah, I saw that last year. He had to fix himself up so he could be out there hunting. Mm-hmm. It was pretty awesome. So it's a tried and true <laughs> method, and yeah, I, I'm not knocking it, <laughs> but. So obviously turkey hunting and muley, whitetail, and any other migratory birds, anything like waterfowl. You know we uh, we haven't we haven't yet. We've talked about that. We've been asked that. You know, part of part of what's been um, a neat part of success for us is kind of again kind of organically grassroots is kind of people find out about what we're doing. You know, it's a little bit contagious, and they want to be a part of it. And so, you know, although we started, <laughs> although we started with Jose on a ridiculous mountain on public land, you know, we've been fortunate enough uh, to have people and and hunting private lands. And so, mm-hmm. because because it's it's a different experience, right? When you're, um, and that's and that's kind of been the thing with the waterfowl. Like I'm a big like I'm a big goose and duck hunter, you know. But we haven't we haven't been able to do that because we haven't. Um, one, we've had limited resources, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of why, which last year we started our first fundraising gala, you know, but cause I, we don't want to, don't ever want to stop doing what we're doing and the quality of the level we're doing it. I'd mm-hmm. rather do one, one or two trips a year for one or two people that makes true lifelong differences versus trying to, you know, say, Hey, oh, we took 10, 15, 20 people out on these neat experiences, but they don't, that's not, that's not the goal, right? That's not, not, not the goal is yeah. to not have a cool weekend. The goal yeah. is to, to provide hope in the community and all that safely. other stuff. And so, and right. safely, right? because public land is wild. Sometimes I've been out there yeah. with a couple of friends and I get scared. And that's the last thing we want when we're reintroducing mm-hmm. these veterans, these police officers, these firemen, yeah. you know, we wanted yeah. to make sure that no one's shooting at us. <laughs> that's or a bad thing <laughs> yeah well and there's you know and there's no pressure either right where it's like you know mm-hmm. if you're if you're if you're let's say you're deer hunting on public land and you know it's the pumpkin patches out there and you have a deer show up right there's like this kind of this time pressure of like boy you, we need to make this happen right now before some Somebody other else. ding dong some other ding dong comes over and starts lobbing rounds and you know, when we're on public land, we don't have that. So if somebody's hesitant, if somebody's unsure, if somebody's nervous, like we have on the private land, we have the ability to take our time, right? There is no other pressure. They can, and we can do that the right way. Cause you know, that first experience for folks, whether it's the first time hunting ever, or whether it's sort of re-engaging back in life and outside activity stuff is, 
that needs to be that needs to be a positive like it doesn't necessarily have to harvest them but it needs to be like a successful experience a positive experience to where it, you know on the public the the private land sort of allows us to take more time and to set things up better so that they can have that and with the waterfowl stuff that's been the that's been the same thing one it's been a resources of because if we do if we take people waterfowl hunting i want to have them equipped with you know shotguns and decoys mm-hmm. and you know all that stuff Everything. all the same way we the same way we do with all the other stuff but we just haven't had the the you know the logistics to do that um you know yet and so but and then yeah. we you know this last year we got approached um by a couple of local guys around my thing that has some private waterfowl you know duck and goose land so we're you know i think that's a goal mm-hmm. um i think there's opportunities for that for sure it's just you know we kind of have to triage um with with the resources we do have what mm-hmm. we can what we can accomplish to that same quality and i believe you answered this question before but i wanted to double check you guys only take about one to two people out a year or what's the max uh you know we think uh no we we started with one like we started with the deer hunt like this year this year we did two two for turkey we did the elk hunt so that's three we'll do the deer hunt four yeah so it'll be this year you know this year will be four i think last year because we had the texas trip we took we took six just because that was an extra that was an extra trip well, the year um, before that as well, we did some fishing trips where we took um, yeah. a group of like eight guys, I think, if I'm correct, four to eight guys. Yeah, yeah. So we we tried to keep it during the seasons where we at least taking out one, two. If we could take out a group, then we definitely make it happen. Um, nice. When it's in the group setting, it's normally guys that we know just need um, some guy time or just some time to talk to each other or whatnot. And that's when we have a bigger group setting. We kind of like to see um, if it's going to be an individual hunt. It's because we're integrating and reintroducing this person to the outdoors from the get-go and the proper way they should be introduced, you know. Mm-hmm. And when we have a bigger group setting, it's because we know these guys just need some some time outdoors and they need some time outdoors with other fellow veterans, other fellow police officers, other fellow firemen, you know, where they can be like, man, I had a bad week last week. And someone else would be like, you know what? I had a bad uh, month last week and I'm still doing good. Or, you know, we always try to put, we know the people that we're going to be putting into these trips that we know if someone has a negative thought, there's always going to be someone that revert it with a positive saying, Hey man, I know it's a bad day or it's been a bad week, but the sun, it's not going to rain forever and the sun will always come out no matter what, you know? So that's the kind yeah. of things we like to do. We want to make sure that these people are experiencing the best possible way outdoors. So I guess that's the reason why we keep it so small and we're taking our time creating bigger and bigger because as we want it to get bigger, we still want to have the same mission goals and create the same experiences, no matter if it's going to be one, two, three, four, or eight of them this year, you know? So as we expand, we're trying to make sure that every single time we do expand, we're going to be pushing the same exact mission. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Sean, the other thing I forgot to mention, like, you know, the, the hunting and the gear and the equipment, like that's kind of one half of the mission. Mm-hmm. The kind of the, the, 
the other half of the mission that we're really trying to do is also is like build this community, right? Where, yeah. you know, for, for a lot of us, whether you are in the military, whether you're in fire or PD, when you leave that, right, there's that brother and sisterhood and you know what that environment's like. But then when you leave that, they sort of kick you in the ass on the way out and say, you know, hey, good luck with that out there, you know, and then you kind of left out on your own. And so, you know, along with all these things, which is why Jose was saying, you know, all of the people we have that come back and volunteer and work on staff, have, a lot of them have been participants because, nice. you know, they, they're like, this is amazing. Like, I want to come back. Can I come back and cook for you guys at deer camp next year? Can I come back and help? you know, guide with this hunt. And, but it is, so it's building that, you know, it's building that community back up. And we did a, we did kind of a fun event last year where we got everybody together that we, you know, families and participants and did a, did like a rodeo day. We put on like a roping clinic um, and got to rope and did do horses and stuff. And we did like a, a literal goat rope, you know, and steer wrestling and some other things. It was, you know, but that's, that's kind of what we're trying to, on the other side of stuff, that's also what we're trying to accomplish is giving people that, you know, that community, that brother and sisterhood back to, even nice. if they're out of the service. Hey, that works. Um, and that leads me to my next question is application process. Uh, how do they go about it? And is there an upper range for it for age or, you know, uh, no, I, I think the easiest way, um, a lot of a lot of the folks, I think to answer your question, I think the easiest way is there's a contact form on our website mm-hmm. um, that you can you can reach out and or if you a family member or you you know can get on there and say hey you know this is me or this is my husband or this is my wife or whatever and you know here's kind of the background and then we can kind of go from we kind of go from there mm-hmm. um, where we you know most of the time. Most of the time we end up sitting down with either the individual or the spouse beforehand. There's another form that we send out in terms of just doing some, just doing some get to know you and some safety stuff too of, you know, we want to make sure if, you know, we're taking you out, if there's different things that are going to be hard for you, we want to know what those are. Mm -hmm. If there's things that are going to be triggers, we want to know what those are. Your experiences, Um, you know, weapons and stuff like that. Yeah. So all those things, you know, so that, you know, that's one way, um, most of our participants that we've done have, a lot of them have come from word of mouth and, um, mm-hmm. people that have reached out because the person that we've taken isn't the type, is in such a rough spot that they're not the ones that are reaching out. And quite yeah. frankly, like those are the ones that we want, right. Is I'm, we want to take those that are really struggling, you know, um, and hurting and wouldn't, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't reach out on their own. Right. But a loved one or a buddy or something reaches out on their behalf, kind of unbeknownst to them. A lot of the time, that's how we get our folks. Um, and, and, and that way there's all, that way is also a little bit easier too. sometimes where just, there's a personal connection there too. So there's some background and some other things too, but that's, that's yeah. normally how we create the change, though. I mean, we have a family member reach out. I mean, the gentleman mm-hmm. we took out last year for a mule hunt, um, he wasn't really getting out of his house, if I'm correct. He was a double amputee. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike and the guys showed him a couple of videos of what I do and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. he saw that I bow hunt. And that instantly just put a fire in him. And if I'm correct, he harvested his deer 
he got it all going. The guys hooked him up with all the meat and stuff like that. And within the week, this gentleman mm-hmm. was applying uh, to work <laughs> at an armory, oh, like yeah. learning how to do all these other things and picked up a bow at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> nice. He, yeah. He, uh, Aaron's, Aaron's, and Aaron's story, that was the year uh, we actually had a film crew come out and want to document one of our hunts because, quite frankly, we're not very good at that, you know, because yeah. we're uh we're just kind of more invested in with the people and so we're not very good at documenting that so these 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 two fellows came out and they documented that hunt for us which was fantastic but aaron's story is kind of and like i say there's that video i think you watched on the website but like that's kind of the quintessential story of like what we're doing so jose is exactly right like aaron was in a really rough spot and wasn't leaving and we had this hunt he had a successful hunt and you know like i don't know a week or two later, we get this call like, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, he went to go pick up his gun at the FFL, right? Mm-hmm. And when he went to go do that, we get a call later. It's like, hey, I, I'm, I'm working now at the, at the FFL dealer, right? I got a job now. And then like a month nice. after that, hey, by the way, I'm the assistant manager down here now. And then like <laughs> a couple weeks after that of, hey, I'm going in, I'm going to get fitted for a prosthetic so I can shoot bows and take my boy out, you know? So it just was like that that progression that like real change of like that's what we're trying to accomplish right generational change that changed it yep that changed it for him that changed it for his family it changed it for you know his kids and all the people around that's what we're trying to do yeah yep Mm -hmm. yep for sure i've uh noticed that something of a trend with i've been seeing with everyone i've interviewed is the healing in the woods process that how, what happens has just reinvigorated people. I was talking to a guy, uh, Brandon Waddell, Mountain Archery Fest, and he was telling how a guy came in and he had a, you know, wasn't doing too happy. By the end of the whole archery competition, he was smiles and back to his old mm-hmm. self. And mm-hmm. it's just amazing how much that works out. I keep on talking about Carson Nineheis. He's a guy that got in a motorcycle accident, and his buddy literally picked him up and carried him to a blind just to enjoy nature. No hunting. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool. And so, yeah, man, it's magical. Heck yeah. yeah. I mean, it helps out a lot of people. I mean, just walking in the woods just calms people down. Breathing oh, fresh yeah. air. Forgetting yeah. about their, you know, problems for even the 10, 15 minutes that they're out there. Mm-hmm. I, I tell a lot of people that's when you start, when the minute you look up and realize how small we truly are in this vast, giant world, mm-hmm. you really start understanding that the problems that we really have are really, really, really minuscule, you mm-hmm. know? So, and once yeah. they like, once they realize that part, then the world turns just a little brighter for them. And that's all we're trying to do. Show the show everybody yeah. that the world is actually still beautiful. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. What states do you guys operate out of? Is it just whatever is available or you stick with the home state or do you go everywhere else? Um, no, it's a good question. So we, we started... Uh, oh gosh, I hate to admit it, but we started in Washington, uh, which is which is where I currently reside for right now. Uh, that'll be changing next year, hopefully. Uh, 
but no, we started, we started there and it, um, we did most of the stuff there until we started getting some opportunities to go other places. And then, like, like I said, we had an opportunity down in Texas and we had opportunity in, um, in Montana. And so those kind of really been the hubs where we like say, where we find some private land or some people that say, Hey, come out and hunt on my ranch or Hey, come out and do this over here. And, um, and so that's where it started just in Washington and then some other mm-hmm. places. And then this, uh, and then actually, actually this year, this summer when I was back here in Montana, um, went and visited with the land trust folks, which nice. is sort of like a, you know, VRBO for private lands and hunting stuff. And mm-hmm. they, yep. they loved what we were doing and, and partnered with us. And so basically, you know, basically the word was, you know, we could, if we want to go do whitetail hunting in Nebraska and we do that, you know, or we want to do elk in this state or, you know, um, we have the ability to be able to do, go different places and do those things now. It's just, now it's just a logistics thing, right? Where, you know, can we, can we afford to do that? Cause there'd be, there's some epic hunts I'd love to, to do with folks who take people on, you know, it's just, we just, it's just resource limited, you know, yeah. and yeah. the stuff around the stuff around the home states or some of the places where we have um, more local resources that that's logistically easier to accomplish. But, yeah. you know, someday, someday, hopefully, I think as this keeps growing, it'd be it'd be amazing to do some. We've done some stinking amazing trips like yeah. life, like lifetime trips that I'm just super glad we were able to give to the odd that trip we did last year was pretty incredible those nice. gentlemen will forever remember that trip it was awesome mm-hmm. yep so sure. you guys thinking moose in the near future then <laughs> man swamp swamp donkey i love that but, um alaskan yeah, you know moose alaskan oh, moose yeah. uh I, you know it's pot it's like I said, it's all possible. I think it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just finding uh, the right resources and, yep. you know, being able to, as long as we can mimic the same thing we're mimicking now, we're all up for it. So yep. oh, for that's, sure. that's what we like to say. Everything that we do is word of mouth, mainly even mm-hmm. the people that we take out and stuff like that. Just because, I mean, I have a lot of veterans. I have, um, medal of honor recipients. They'll give me a contact. Like, Hey, I need your help. Like, I got you. Don't worry. Send them over, you know? Right. So it's, it's a lot of people that we have from different parts of the world that instantly know what we're doing and we know we're doing a good thing. So that's how we get a lot of help from other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The thing I'm, I'm thinking about is doing a, a moose hunt. It would have to be on an outrider us, an outrider coyote because, uh, the track chair trying to get that thing in a biplane <laughs> oh, yeah. it's not happening yeah no, I yeah, mean, no you're lucky yeah. to get the you're lucky to get the coyote in there because <laughs> of all the weight restrictions like okay this is going to take three planes yeah yeah, definitely. yeah I, I, I can tell you firsthand that trying to push jose at full throttle in that track chair up that first mountain <laughs> was was it's a heavy it's a heavy beast oh yeah yeah mm-hmm so yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, we're going to get one of those out coyotes in the near future. <laughs> yeah, I was I was telling Jose before the start of the podcast about a previous guest, Lynette Jones, and how she went elk hunting in 
I'm going to say it's off the top of my head, New Mexico. I could be wrong. So if people are listening and they know the proper one off the top of their head, spam me and correct me. I'll correct it everywhere. But, yeah, went elk hunting up the side of a mountain and whatnot and harvested a buck. Not a buck, a bull. Nice. What's uh? We I know what I know what Jose's next rig wants to be. What was that thing we saw at Shot Show? This that's year? what he's talking about. So there's two oh, different versions of it. There's the standing oh, version no. and there's a different version. So oh yeah, that thing was. Remember that thing we was, got on top of? Yeah, and I was like, yo, we need yeah. one of these. <laughs> we need one of the heck yeah, we do. Yeah. Those were that was that thing was nasty. I love uh, that. But. So, where do you see your nonprofit in the next five years? Ooh, five years? I know I give the big one. <laughs> well, we hope well, still uh, running. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, I hope so too. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't have any doubts about that. I'll, I'll tell you what I'd love. Like my ten-year, I'll tell you what my ten-year. Yeah. Or my end goal would be. My end goal someday, if somebody dropped a huge bag of money in my lap, uh, my end goal someday would be to purchase uh, a bunch of land with um, like a working ranch, working farm mm-hmm. that had, you know, horses and, and a bunch of that kind of stuff where people could come and I would have, you know, we'd have cabins built mm-hmm. where not only could we hunt off of that or around that and people could stay there, but it'd be something where... You know, past participants, if your family's just having a tough time and you just need a week to go away as a family or as a married couple, you could come to the farm, you come to the ranch and you could stay at, you know, stay at this cabin for free for the week or whatever. And And it's like a recovery center. Yep. kind of. But with, you know, with horses and fishing and shooting and other awesome stuff. All kinds of stuff. So that's that's that that would be that would be like one of my end goals. That'd be kind of one of my end dreams. I think in five I think in five years from now, I think we'll still be doing what we're doing. I think we'll just be we'll be hopefully we'll be blessed enough to be expanded into a few more places, be able to pull off a few more trips. Like we got a we got some we got an ambassador in Wyoming now. We got an ambassador in Montana. So it'd be nice to it'd be nice to be able to do like two trips at once where we could do, you know, a hunting trip in Montana and a hunting trip in Wyoming and have two different teams of folks, mm-hmm. you know, serving at the same time and having the, having the bandwidth and the logistics to accomplish that would be, that's what I'd love to see in like five years. Nice. So do you guys want to tag any social media? Yes. Not yeah. position, yeah. please. <laughs> Yeah, Norma, uh, Norma Precision Ammo, um, Sitka, Vortex, Vortex uh, Cantrell Outdoors, um, uh, Land Trust, oh, yeah. Ma- Mountain Ops, um, you know, those are uh, Geber, uh, so that, that ranch we did, the uh, that elk hunt, that's, yeah. that's, Geber, that's Geber Cattle Ranch. So Geber, the Geber Farms and the Geber family out in Washington State, they're they're a big apple and cherry company, and then they they also run they also run cattle and 
they've been they've been super gracious from the beginning uh letting us hunt on their land and doing things with us and giving us um some of those special tags that they get from the state so um we just and, you know the people that and, oh and cavadini yes that's the person that set us off from the so, beginning yeah yeah nice. cavadini was the guy that started it all for us where he he ran into us and and so he kind of said hey you know what what are you doing there at the wheelchair and we explained to him and then he was the one that said hey come hunt on my ranch come hunt on my you nice. know he farms and does the, does that and um and that's where it started all and we've been this this trip in october uh, is at is at Dan's place, and it's been every year out of the Cabinet Ranch, and he's just the people. Man, are just, he's just such a top shelf guy, and the people that nice. join, you know, partner with us and want to help have just been, I don't know, man, just incredible, like, just incredible, just like just the best people. Nice, uh, just feel super humbled and honored, like that these folks want to be doing this stuff with us and. Um, but yeah, for sure. The, all of those, all of those folks have been, have been great for us. Nice. Now, do you want to tell, uh, my listeners, uh, where to reach you guys, like social media and everything else? Sure. Um, so four season org. So F O U R season, like the season and then fighters, plural.org. Um, that's our website. You can see the videos. You can meet our staff. You can read our mission contact mm-hmm. forms. There, uh, we do have we do have um, Instagram, Instagram and Facebook. To be to be fair, the Instagram is better than the Facebook. But we're uh, we got a gal now who just came on board, and we're gonna she's gonna kind of be taking that over. So mm-hmm. it won't be quite so like uh, non techno, non picture taking me. <laughs> Doing that. We're trying our best to show right. Yeah. So there'll there'll be more of that, and that's going to get uh, markedly better here shortly. But yeah, nice. I guess Instagram can and I Facebook. Add something? The reason why we have such a hard time posting pictures and all of that is because we don't want the participants to think that we're just trying to take a picture and you know, like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. one way or another, get more or whatnot. Like that's. We rather just show you kind of like the little glimpse of things and not really the human that's getting it, mm-hmm. just because it's yeah. it's from the bottom of our hearts, you know. It's like if you're gonna go and give a homeless man a hundred dollars, the people that like to post it on social media are the ones that are gonna get praised, but the ones that are doing it silently are the gods of the world, you know. So mm-hmm. we're trying to just do our part and show the world that we are doing all the things that we're saying we're doing. But at the same time, being private yeah. enough for that human to understand that we're not using them at all. That's yep. honorable and, and yep. awesome. And quite frankly, we get so lost in what we're doing with them that <laughs> we just forget to take pictures. Like like we do. Like when they did that video, that was really the first time we'd ever had anybody do that. Because we just, you know, we're, yeah. we're there to serve the folks that are there in person. And like, I know social media is a big, important thing, but it's it's like a evil necessity for me you know and we're just not we just have not been good at it but like jose said like we're there for the people we're taking out and we're serving and it's important to show people glimpses of that but that's we're not doing it for the exposure yeah you know well uh, i'd like to thank you guys for coming on it has been great listening and learning about your nonprofit and what you guys have done for veterans and first responders in general 
and I hope to hear more about you guys in you know in the near future and actually probably have you guys on eventually again and that don't take that personally I t- I want to do that with all my guests <laughs> perfect but, no sounds yeah. good yeah. Uh, we appreciate that, you having us. We yeah. appreciate you letting us tell our story, and most of all, we really mm-hmm. um, appreciate you for letting us tell what we do for okay. yep. you know for the little community that we want to change. Hey, yep. yeah, it's, a, and, it's an important community. And for yourself, and for any of your listeners and all that stuff, like feel free to reach out if you have questions. If you have folks, like most of us are very transparent with our stories, and if we can. If we can love and serve and give hope or answer questions to folks, then we're all about that, whether it's, oh. whether it's hunting related or not. Right. Well, thank you guys for coming on and being guests. It's been a great one, and I hope to talk to you guys again. Uh, remember, everybody, stay adaptive.